Ah, so people, good evening. Good evening, good evening. What a good evening this is. Well, always a pleasure to see every one of us here. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing to see people who are looking for God on a Friday night. <laughs> Usually time when it's time to jai jai, but um, here we are, humble at the feet of our master and just ready to hear what he has to say to us. It's not something that is that should be taken for granted. It, it is a big deal especially in this world that we live in today where everything apart from God is exciting, you know. And I do pray in the name of Jesus Christ that this zeal that we have, this passion, continues to burn even onto a mighty furnace in Jesus' name. So today we're going to be talking about Shabbat. Shabbat. Actually, the direction for this conversation came in the course of the week, you know. Um, for those of us who don't know, I decided to take this week off to rest and pray and recharge because, yeah, I was feeling very burnt out. I was overspent. I was engaged in so many things with very little time to kick back and just get some energy, you know. And I just kept on doing and doing and doing and doing. And I could literally feel all the vitality leave me. You know, I feel like, oh, my God, I'm not even hearing from God. Like, it was just, I saw a kind of cloud starting to descend. And I knew that this is the time for me to really sit back and just um, relax. And uh, sit in his presence and allow him to speak to me, refuel me, and give me fresh direction, you know. And it was really refreshing, you know. I spent a lot of time in prayer. I spent a lot of time in contemplation, meditating on a lot of things, a lot of planning. And um, yeah, in the process of doing so, I was asking him, I was like, oh, should I take a class this Friday? And he's like, yeah. I said, okay, what do we talk about? Do we continue to tell them the origin? He said, no, talk about Sabbath. No, oh, okay. And of course, it makes sense because that is, that is where, that, that was the phase I was in at the time when um, he, he, um, Gave the instruction, but before we before we start with the scripture for the day, um, when a time where when a time where the media space and environment is overly saturated with, will I say, corrupted material, you know, just once you just open your phone, the chances of you finding something that is just a poison to the mind is so high. And there's just a lot of rubbish content on the space. And, you know, because of that, God did tell me last year that he himself is also um, filling the atmosphere with a counterattack in a sense and releasing a lot of content that will counteract a lot of things that are being spoken about today, you know, not just the basic Jesus loves this and that, but actual messages that actually combat a lot of narratives that are being propagated by a lot of people with, you know, what we call social influencers, you know. And he's the one that has made it a very aggressive thing. And that's why there's just a torrent of, you know, I mean, it's only my Instagram that is like that. Or once you just open your Instagram, there's like a torrent of everyone who has something to say about what God said this. I mean, it's only me. Do we see that as well? <laughs> yeah. It's all over the place. Oh, no. <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> 
it really is all over the place, you know, and it's like God is speaking so much these days. Yeah, he must be, (laughs) you know, and God is the one that he's actually the one that made this to happen because it's, it's, there's literally a media war going on, a culture war going on and different ideologies are presently at war. And of course, God has to raise his voice to the place where evil's voice is being raised, you know. And when that happens, there is a tendency because when, in the beginning, especially when we have been exposed to a lot of unedifying material, you know, when we actually find something that is a blessing for our soul, we have a natural tendency of binging it. And it's not just with spirituality, even with music. How many of us are like me now? Actually, for the past two days, I, I just heard one song that was so nice. <laughs> I think between two days, I've played that song like 200 times. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> How many of us are just like that, you know? When you hear a song you like, you will just play it till you're tired of the song. Or maybe a TV show. <laughs> you can play it till the the singer will come out and ask for water. Do you understand? <laughs> you know, you just binge it. <laughs> you just binge it to a TV show that you just, oh my gosh, you binge it to the end, three seasons in one sitting. <laughs> you know, and um, to be honest with you, it in a sense is a kind of, will I say, lost. You know, it is a kind of loss, you know, when we're not able to temper ourselves and um, actually rationalize ourselves. You see, when, when we don't have many options, when our options are limited, you know, when we don't have a, 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 a vast repertoire of choices, it's easier to pick a particular place and stay there and go there. But when we're in a place where we have so many options in front of us, there's this year, this year, this year, this year, so many options, that is the chance or that is the point where we are least likely to actually pick anything and stay there. True or false? Who can relate to what I'm saying? How many of us have had when we have like seven, eight books in front of us and then we end up not reading anyone? <laughs> How many of us have been there? Huh? Me. Yeah. I'm always there. <laughs> I'm always there. I'm so horrible. It really is, you know. Because there's only so much the mind can take the time. You know, there's only so much we can assimilate. There's only so much we can handle for time. We're just one individual, you know, and there's only so much. And the truth is, there are a lot of things that Lack teaches us that when we no longer have luck, we seem to forget very easily, you know. Because, like what we say, in wealth and in poverty, there is a lot to gain. In heaven and in hell, there is a lot to gain. There's always something to receive from either side of the fence. And when we're in a place of lack, when we're in a place of scarcity, condition forces us to hold on to one thing, isn't it? If we only have rice in the kitchen, we'll eat that rice every day, be true or false. <laughs> you know? 
if we only have one book available to us, we'll read only that book and stay there, isn't it? You know, because in lack, because we have very few options, we are forced to maximize any option we receive, true or false? Huh? True. You know, like if true, one, true. Uh -huh. if one is only able to afford a nice pair of jeans or, or just one pair of shoes, you're going to wear it until the shoe is unwearable and you actually get to see the full power of that shoe or that clothing, you know. <laughs> but when there's plenty, you know, you can have like 100 shoes or 20 or 30, we tend to not value each pair of shoe the way we would value them when there are many, you know. Because when there are very few options, because you don't have many things to take your attention, the one that is right in front of you, you focus intently at it, you know, you look at it so well. That's why when some of us, when we don't have money or something, that's when we're the most spiritual, we can hear God, we can pray, our fast is up there, this, this, you know. <laughs> but the moment some kind of comfort starts, you know, we're able to go to this place today, go to that place tomorrow, all of a sudden, we no longer have that much time for God. We get so busy, 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 you know, different activities. And the same also applies with spiritual things, you know. Like I said, lack has a beautiful thing it teaches us because when you are restrained to one thing, that presents you an opportunity to learn how to look at one thing and be fixed on it. And if we are wise, that thing that lack showed us, if we carry it into wealth, it will benefit us so much because you see, a man who, not just a man, anyone, who in little, there is no self-control, you know, you don't know how to be dedicated to one particular person or one particular job or particular opinion. You're just always shifting left, right, here and there. When your world becomes much larger, that problem that was there, in a small form, will become three times, four times, five times as much when you have a whole lot more things to choose. And it becomes so much more difficult for you to remain grounded. And when a time dies just like that, there is so much going on. Everyone has the rema that you've never heard before. I'm, I'm just, I'm speaking uh, metaphorically, you know. Everyone, I'm the one with the truth. Come this way, light is here. Oh my God, I have this. Everyone is here. In fact, on this day, just for the way you see some people talking on the internet, you will say this person must have been in the spirit for the past 50 years. <laughs> you know, the way they're all talking. You know? And everything is pulling for attention. Come here, come there, come there, come there, come there, come there, come there, come there. In a time as this, we will have to start learning how to streamline ourselves. Because when you take from here, 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 you're just everywhere, 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 everywhere. You find out that nothing concrete has been achieved. We have just 
gathered a whole bunch of intellectual data, info that can enable us to argue in this place or debate in that place. But when we actually look at how we're feeling, we don't really feel alive, you know? Who can relate to what I'm saying? Who can relate? Me, definitely can. You know? Yeah, exactly. As we, as we were talking, I was like, yeah, this is definitely in line with what God was saying to me coming to the meeting, you know? And in a time, in a time such as this, when we are exposed to so many streams of information, there's a temptation to just want to grab them all. You know, like all this, uh, 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 I don't know if you've watched these game shows back in the day where they put someone inside of a ball and then there'll be money on the ground, then air will now breeze up the money, the money's all over the place, so the person is just trying to pick, 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 you know. That's pretty much what's going on right now. And everyone's just, you know, all over the place. And there is no focus, there is no continuity of attention, there is no one-pointedness. It's the mind needs a kind of consistency. It needs a kind of pattern that is continuously going in the same way. And when it doesn't get that, you find out that if you look into your mind, your mind will be like a city with 100 uncompleted buildings. That's what it looks like when we're in so many things at once. Our mind has 100 incomplete buildings. It's better to have only one tower in your city than to have 100 towers are not complete. Who can agree with that? Okay. Yes, sir. I can. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is something to think about, you know, because there's so much going on, there's so much information being consumed, and we just hop from one to the next, you know, we just finish reading this. We don't even process it much. We just immediately find the next one. Because, for example, you open your Instagram, before you even finish reading one post, boom, there's another one that is coming that is probably just as hot. So I'm not even saying that, no, one person is lying, the other person is saying the truth. I'm not even saying that. Let's even say that a great percentage of people are actually bringing out the truth. But how much are you able to gather all at once by yourself? How much are you able to, you know? Because if you observe the lion in the, in, in the wilderness, when it's not wilderness, in the wild, when it's trying to catch an antelope or a wildebeest, you know, there can be 100 antelopes running all over the place, but the lion just keeps his eyes on just that one that he needs. And the moment he starts to chase it, it doesn't matter if one just breezes in front, it doesn't matter. That one that he, he has his eyes fixed on, is the one he's exactly going to go towards. And he will not rest until he gets that one his eyes have been fixed upon. You know, because he has learned how to just be focused in a place where there's so much noise. And I don't mean noise negatively because a lot, of, a lot of people are saying a lot of great things, you know. But you see, when you have too much light concentrated on a small place, what happens? I'm asking. 
darkness. It burns. <laughs> it's true. It burns darkness. It just it spoils. It just because too much of anything is bad. You know, just like salt. Salt is great, but if you put too much inside of your stew, the stew is gone. You know, and right now, a lot of us right now are salty. Am I lying? If we're going, to, if we're going to be honest, you know, there's too much salt on our plate, and that's why a lot of us are actually exhausted. Why are you tired? You know, like, oh, hey. Another Zoom meeting, oh, another discussion, oh, another prayer list, oh, another thing to read. Oh, yeah. It's because we're taking too much. And it's a time where God wants us to begin to recline. Because there's a lot that has been taken in. But how much of that which has been taken in has been assimilated, has been meditated upon? How much of these things have we actually contemplated on? How much of these things have actually become material in our lives that we can say, well, yeah, the teaching of that week, it was practicalized in my, in my house this morning through what I did. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Huh? Yes. Because all these things that we're taking in ultimately has to transform into something tangible in our hearts. And it happens in that place of not only meditation, but also putting into practice each thing that we have heard. When we're going through 40 lectures a week, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it is time for us to begin to slow down. You know, it is time for us to begin to slow down. So that everything that we take, we're going to spend time to brood on it, to listen to things, to you know, and process, and allow it, allow the work to actually happen in our hearts, so that we're not always jumping from one to the next when we have not yet extracted everything we can from this one. Because if we keep going at this pace, by April, May, many people that are here right now will not be there, and will be so. Our belly will be so full, our stomach will be so full that that food that once looked so delicious to us will start to look disgusting. I'm sure we've, we've experienced that before, you know. Before, when you were hungry, how many of us have fasted and in the middle of the fast, you were telling yourself, ah, I'm going to eat this. Your mind was imagining like 10 plates of food, but the moment you took three spoons of the food, you wanted to eat all the hunger left. <laughs> how many of us have? Experience that before after fasting. You know, <laughs> you imagine uh-huh. all the things. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you imagine all the things you are going to eat. You picture it in your head, but the moment you just put, you can't eat anything because the body can only take to a certain amount, and the same thing with the mind. It can only take to a certain amount. After that amount, it needs to calm down and process what it has eaten. Literally, your stomach, exactly blessings, spiritual indigestion. Your stomach is like a storage house. You know, it's like a a reservoir that your body stores energy in. When it needs it, it extracts the food in the belly and begins to break it down through your intestines and takes it through different organs and spreads it across your body. Your stomach is like a storage center 
when it gets to the point where it's full, you don't need to eat anymore. The body has to break down all that is there and turn it into different things in your body, turn it to new cells, new organs, and stuff like that, stuff like that, stuff like that. When there's too much, when there's too much food in the belly, it starts to turn to fat. And when fat starts to come, you have extra weight, but that weight is not strong enough to carry other things. In fact, the weight even makes it even heavy, harder for you to carry yourself or like muscle. And the mind is just like this. When we're eating so much, the mind starts to get fat and it doesn't have strength to do anything. It's just lethargic. As also, it also starts to, <laughs> there's this concept like see finish, you know? I've heard this one before now. I mean, who can who can relate to me? That feeling, I've heard it already. <laughs> you know, so, so may I be honest? Go ahead. <laughs> I, I I I've been in this 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 position of finish in recent times because you're flooded on every side with it's just as you said, so much light, and then. Someone is said, you know, this week I was just telling Papa, I said, I don't want to hear from anyone. I don't want to hear any encouraging word. I don't want nothing. Just, you know, you, you, you no longer regard those things that you once held dear because you're now flooded with that same thing on every side. You don't even know what to focus on. It's not a good place to be. You, you just become, it's a kind of constipation, if that's the right word. It is a constipation. It is. And it's important that all these things be spoken about now before it gets to because I myself have been there, you know. I remember the time when um, I just started to turn back to God and everything. I was I was I was consuming things like as if I was reading like 16 hours a day. I was just consuming because I had been starved spiritually. So I, I just wanted to just grab, 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 grab. And it got to a point where I just you know, I just wasn't interested in anything. I just want to read. I just want to. And that's what happens when the intellect is overwhelmed. It just gets exhausted, you know. And it's part of the reason why God made us to do those particular prayers every day. <laughs> God is a scammer. <laughs> you know. He wanted it to become very clear. <laughs> when I realized it, I laughed. <laughs> I didn't know why, you know. <laughs> he wanted us to see because okay, if we want to do everything, okay, let's see. Let's see how it will be like if every day we are doing this. Let's see what will happen. And see, lo and behold, we're all tired. I'm busy, like you know. He arranged it, Joseph. He arranged it, and you you were the catalyst. <laughs> He set up the bottle. I was about yeah. to say that. I was like, Joseph, it was you. You. It was it. <laughs> <laughs> ah! a setup. It was a, you know, it was a setup. And I will not tell you that I didn't hear God. I heard him. He said, do it. You see, that's why you have to be careful with God. You don't know what is in his mind. You know, he actually told us to do that prayer every day. He's the one that said it. But we didn't know his agenda. <laughs> People are forming spiritual and be okay. Let's see now. <laughs> you know, and we saw, oh wow, 
No, we did, Chiamakawa. Of course we did. Everything has its benefits, you know. But <laughs> if it's done beyond what is possible, then that thing that's supposed to be good now turns out to be something that is not so good. And that's what we're saying. We're not talking, we're not saying anything is bad. We're saying it is good. It's not just good, it's too good. And really, too good is not good at all. You guys get what I'm saying? Too good is not good at all. It's not, you know, it's not. You can't have crusades every week. It's, you can't. Crusades should be like twice a year. Because it, it's too much light. It's too much salt. It, it has to be spaced out, you know. It has to be spaced out so that there can be proper assimilation, so that all those things can transform. It, it has to be. And we need to start to pace ourselves. We need to. Everything that's happened thus far is not bad. It was good. You see? Because a lot of us, God was bringing us out of a place that was on the other extreme. So we needed this extreme overwhelming, uh, uh, this extreme, uh, uh, what, would, what, what would I call it? Overwhelming uh, data to counterbalance the place that we're coming from. Do you understand that? Huh? Yeah. Uh -huh. So, because we're coming from yes, one sir. extreme, aha! Uh -huh. Because we're coming from one extreme, God was using one extreme to counter another extreme. Now, what we need to do is find somewhere in the middle, the sweet spot, the balance that will allow us to continue, 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 continue. Because for there to be continuity, because it's not what we're doing here, what God is doing this time, it's not a sprint race. It actually is a marathon, you know. We can't sprint all the way. We've been going so fast and it was necessary because, because of how slow a lot of us were. That heavy ignition that God started was important. It was beyond necessary. It was crucial. In fact, it was the only way. That's why you had to start off so loud, so intense, so it had to start like that. But that is just to get things moving. You know, I've noticed when you start your car, you know, when you start your car, in the beginning, it, the sound is different, like when you first put it on. Then after a while, it calms down. Have you noticed that? Huh? Yes. Uh-huh. Because to get something that is sleeping, moving, you need a lot of energy. But after it starts to move, then the energy starts to come down. And then you can create a rhythm, a flow that is able to be continuous. You know? So when I enter that place where we need to start creating that continuous flow, and we need to start pacing ourselves. Why are you talking about Shabbat? Because this is the Shabbat we're talking about, you know. We've already started talking about it. Even I've never opened the scripture, but what is I talking about? Because like I say, the first scripture we have is the world around us. And that's why I use so many analogies because if you understand something, you can understand it in the forest, you can understand it in the water, you can understand it in the book. So we've already started opening scriptures now, but we'll still open the Bible, but we've already started opening scriptures. And the scriptures right now are opening our lives. And we're using those things to talk about all these things right now. So we need to start adopting practices that are sustainable, you know, if you are living, because there's this, um, you know, I see a lot on Instagram, all these people, uh, business people, they're always talking about, oh, the richest people in the world, 
they read 10 books a week and stuff like that. Has anyone, any, any one of us seen this before? Yes. Always. Motivational yes, 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 speakers. Oh. Yeah. It's, oh, my it's, God. It's crap. Sincerely, it's crap. It is. The mind, the mind doesn't function that way. I read 10 books in one week, you know. You only remember very small. It's just, yeah, exactly. Shamaka, giving everyone a complex, you know, they want to, you know, they, they, they use, uh, if you, you know, they try and manipulate you by making you feel like you're inferior. So they manipulate your pride and use your pride to make money. That's why they, because they understand people are proud. They don't want to feel like we are, we, are, we are lower than everyone else. So that's why they say all these things. Then, you know, you start to buy their product. It's, it's a scam. You know, life, life doesn't work that way, you know. And, and they don't even read the books. They just pace read. They just look and look for big, big English. In fact, those people are just scammers. It's a scam. <laughs> it's a very big scam. And we need to not fall for that in the world. We need to not fall for that in the church as well. We, just, we should not fall for that. We should not fall for that. It's, it's, it's a scam. We need to take our time and pace ourselves. But you see, when you take your time, anything that you hold on to, you put a lot of attention to it. That's the counterbalance. So if before you're reading five books, you're not reading one, you can't read that one the way you used to read those five. You have to read that one as if that's all you have, patiently, diligently. And it's a discipline we have to begin to instill in ourselves. When there are so many options, if you don't have discipline, you're going to be in a lot of problems. I don't envy people like Chris Brown, Omarion, all these famous celebrities, you know, who all the women in the world are dying for. It's not a blessing. It's not a blessing because you see, it makes it so difficult for you to have your mind in one place when there's just too many, <sighs> and there's no one to mentor them, to help to teach them a serious discipline. It's, it's uh, I mean, out of all the celebrities, there's only one person, I don't know him, but I've been hearing about it, a guy called um, Keanu Reeves, the one who acted in Matrix, you know? They're talking about how if you meet the guy, he's very solemn, he's quiet, he still takes the train. There was a time they called him for a movie, he cut his, 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 his paycheck so that they could afford another actress. You know, he, he's extreme because the world he is, is very extreme. In a world like that, where everything is at your feet, you have to have, 10 times more disciplined than the average person. Keanu Reeves can't live like you and I. He, he can't because there's a lot of pressure. A lot. Everything is put. It's, you can't imagine what goes on. So before we even judge certain people, we have to know that your word and Chris Brown's word is very different. It's very different. It's not the same. It's not because you just, it's not the same. You know, for him to have a normal life, he needs to do 10 times what, more what you do than to have your normal life. You know? Because all around him is just so much pressure and everything is calling for your attention. Come here, come there. It's, it's difficult. It's not something to pray for. You know? It's not something to pray for. That's why fame only happened back in the day with people who really had the character 
that could maintain it. Because once many people are putting attention towards you and you haven't developed certain characteristics, certain qualities, it, life becomes very difficult. Happiness becomes more expensive, more expensive. That's why all these people who have excessive wealth, they have all kinds of funny fetishes because happiness is so hard now. They have exhausted themselves. They've indulged in everything, gone to every party, tried every drug, slept with this guy, slept with this girl, gone. They have done so much now. The only way they can be happy is if they start to stab people, they remove your eye. It's true, this is what happens. When too much pleasure has been indulged, the only thing that can happen is pain. You have to start creating pain. It's always been like that. You know, it's, it's been like that. Too much indulgence is a bad thing. It's not because it's not something to pray for. It's, it's just not. You will need a lot of discipline, a lot of self-control to be happy if you have a lot. It's not, it doesn't get easier when you have a lot of money, when you have a lot of fame, when you have a lot of property, it doesn't get easier. Actually, it gets much harder because now when you don't have to tell a person sorry, because for example, now I'm a boss and this is my company and this is my secretary here. These, I have hundred people working for me. I don't have to tell anyone sorry. I pay your salary. Who are you? You know, it's much harder to be polite when you don't have to be. Does that make sense? You know, when you don't have to be polite, it's so much harder to be polite because when you don't have anything, you know, you're, this is your guy. If you don't say good money, sir, your salary won't come this much. You will be forced to be polite <laughs> because you don't have a choice. But when you have a choice, not to be polite. That is when politeness is much harder. When as you're sitting down here, as a man or a woman, there are 10, 15 other people waiting to have you. It's much, much harder to stay in a relationship because you're going to spend all your time comparing your spouse to all these other 10, 15 people and it's foolishness. And this is actually what happens when one is affluent. That's why I say poverty has a lot to teach us. If we learn it, when wealth comes, we'll be fine. Because in poverty, your options are limited. If one doesn't have many people looking for them, you learn how to value the one that you have. If you allow that education to remain with you, when plenty starts to come, you'll be fine. But if plenty starts to come, you forget what poverty taught you on how to value one thing, then you realize that the overindulgence in things around you is not a heaven to hell because the higher you go the much more disciplined you have to become and to give us a vision of how it works if we could just visualize it i want us to visualize two circles right one circle on the outside and one circle on the inside the circle on the outside is our playing ground. The circle on the inside is our discipline. If the playing ground expands, the circle on the inside must contract according to the proportion of how that external one is expanding. Does that make sense? Sorry, take that again, please. If like I said, the external circle is your playing ground. The internal circle 
is your discipline. If the playing ground gets bigger, your discipline has to become much more contracted. So as the, as the external circle is getting bigger, the internal circle must start to get smaller. Picture it like this. When Jesus Christ came, he looked as if he was opening all the barriers, inviting everyone to come and partake into the quote-unquote Jewish tradition. You know, he looked as if this guy was making the playground so big. How can you desecrate our wisdom? But if you notice, as he was making the playground bigger, the restrictions he brought, were they not much more intense than Moses' own or not? I'm asking. They were. They were. Much stricter. You know, Moses' own is that, oh, don't fornicate, don't do this. Just going is that even in your mind, if you have done it, you have already fornicated. So it looked as if Jesus Christ was making the playground bigger, but actually the discipline was much more intense. And that's how it is with ascension. The more you are exposed to more, the more your discipline must intensify. Because if it doesn't, you think that the solution is indulgence, indulgence, indulgence. It ends up leading to a lot of pain. And a lot of us are feeling that right now. We just don't have desire. Of course, you look at this nice box of pizza in your mind. You say, oh my God, I can eat three. By the time you finish, just like, I've ever had a time when you have a piece of jollof rice or something, and it was so sweet, and it's so sweet that you want to get part two. When you eat that part two, that part two is not as sweet as part one. Has that ever happened before? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. I to do so. You have to do it. Mean, <laughs> I learned that thing very quickly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Naomi, you regret it. You say, ah, this second, this second jollof. Oh, it has spoiled this joy I had. <laughs> oh, exactly. If we diminish returns, man, ah, it's never as sweet as that first one. Because that first one just keeps you at a place where you are okay. And the joy is just, that's why in France, if you see their meals, that's why you see their plates. It's not big food. It's just very, have you noticed all these French chefs and Italian, their plates are not so big. It's just enough to fill your stomach and for you to go home and sleep without rolling. Or like Americans that will put big, Ay! it kills the joy, you know, it kills the joy, it kills the passion, it kills the excitement, it kills the fire. And that's why there has to be that time withdrawal and coming back you know we need to slow down and we need to not be afraid of what we will miss out on when we slow down because something that we might seem to forget or not realize is that because we say oh ah if i slow down hey i'm going to miss this 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 but have you realized that the one that is already in front of you, when you're trying to catch up with every pace that is going, you miss out on this one in front of you. And when you miss out on this one in front of you, you also miss out on that one that you're trying to chase because you don't have, you're not able to pay attention on anyone completely. And then you just live life. That's when you truly miss out. When you try not to miss out on anything is when you miss out on everything. 
because in life you are going to miss out on something. But here's the counterbalance. In that process of missing out on something, you are very much present and engaged in a particular thing. You know, as I'm here now talking on this Zoom call, I'm missing out on watching Netflix. But guess what? I'm gaining from this conversation, from this thing that we're sharing together, I'm gaining. So as opposed to thinking, oh my gosh, I could be watching Netflix. How about I think about what I'm doing here now and what this has to give to me? You know, you can exactly, if you can't do both and it's okay, you know, it's okay. Even this Friday course, for example, there are times where you can't make it and it's okay. That's why there's podcast. You can catch up with it tomorrow or next. It's okay. You know, it's okay. And we need to pace ourselves so that we don't get overexhausted. Because it's not a sprint race, it's a marathon. And that's why Bruce Lee died young. You know, although that's, that's, that would take us. <laughs> The reason why he was able to fight and do all those unbelievable things is because he was tapping into energy reserves in his body that was meant to last him for 70 years. So all that energy that was supposed to last him for 70 years, he milked it right now. And that's why it's just like when you have 200,000 hour salary that's supposed to help you for the whole month. You bought everything on one weekend. Everyone is hailing you, oh my God, this guy is rich. Not knowing that. He squandered one month's money in one day. That's why next week you'll be broke. Does that make sense? Huh? Yeah. Yes, That's what happened with Bruce Lee. You know, he tapped into an energy center. It's actually in the naval area. You know, it's the solar plexus. That was what he was using a lot for his martial arts. You know, martial arts tap into the different energy centers in the body. Even if one says they don't believe in it, it just doesn't. It has nothing to do with belief. The body has multiple energy centers. You know? And he was tapping into the one in the solar plexus region. That's what he was using for a lot of this his physical stuff. And that one in the solar plexus region has a lot to do with reproduction, recreation. It has a lot to do with the body vitality. He exhausted it. I don't, I don't think his teacher knew that because if, if he had a really good teacher, they would have warned him. You know, he exhausted it. He could not live long. There was no way he could live long. He couldn't live long. He couldn't live long. You know. He just couldn't live long. That's just the way it is. You know. Because he was milking everything right now. One has to take their time. It's not a sprint race. It's a marathon. You know. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. And with the marathon, as you're moving your pace, yes, Jeremy just run past, you no problem. May Jeremy the run now. Let's see if that run be reaching for the end. May they run. Ah, I just want you to run. Okay, make sure they run. No problem. I go do my own. You know, and you have to not be afraid. Let them be running. Let's see how long you can move at 20 kilometers per hour. Let's see how far. You know, you can just. So it's a marathon. We have to not be afraid. So let's not, you know, feel over anxious. <laughs> you want to just, just kill me. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
she said that's what happened at the first Lagos State Marathon. Many burned out by Ojota. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. That, that's just the truth. And you can see that it's just lack of education. <laughs> oh. And that's just the reality, you know. And many of us, are, 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 all of us, if I, a great deal of us right here are in that Ojota right now. Am, am I lying? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you know, I feel you if you meet him, yeah, that's why I'm, you know, this had to happen, you know, and even going forward, we're going to see how to have a schedule that allows us to really be contemplative, you know, and it's something that we'll also talk about. There are not many of us here today, so maybe, well, I'll talk about it here, but I'll still write it on the group chat, you know. God actually said that we're going to be meeting bi-weekly from now on, you know, so instead of meeting every Friday, we're actually going to meet him every other Friday. And that's how we'll be doing for the time being, you know, to get us to really pace ourselves, you know, and slow down and really process a lot of things and really take our time to study out on the different things that we talk about, you know. It's very important. It's very important. It's very important. Because the business, sorry, can you guys hear me? You can hear me, Abby? Yes, I can. Ah, fantastic. So I was saying that over the course of these um, four days, God actually told me that we're actually going to be meeting bi-weekly. So as opposed to meeting every week, we're going to be meeting every other week. And um, it's enabled a lot of us to recharge, you know, contemplate on different things that were taught, we were taught, and even some of us who are in different groups, you know, for us to have time to, if we still want to be present, to be able to be present there, so that we're not just rammed on every side, you know, so there's ample time to rest and really process a lot of things so that we're not too choked, too tied up with so many activities that are so busy that we become too busy for God himself. Do you understand that? Wow, of course you saw this. Yes, yes, sir. Well, of course, so this has been your prayer. <laughs> it's been hard to catch up on you. Yes, it has. <laughs> yes, wow. it has been very challenging. I will not lie to you. I can imagine. No, thank God. No, thank God. Vivian, your hand is raised. Okay. I've been, I've been in this place for the longest time. Like, I think I've been here for like most of my years. Mm. Just receiving, receiving, receiving information, receiving and just overloading. So it's like you're talking to me in particular. Mm. Now, today I was reading the book of Luke. I was reading, I think, look for, and then there was a place that they, okay, I was, re- I was using NLT, and then there was a place they said, okay, that Jesus went to Capernaum, or that he was, he was teaching every Saturday, and when they said, I saw, because it was, what they read there was, in different translations, there were, um, some translations said Sabbath, then some translations said Saturday, NLT said Saturday. So I was like, eh, so if he's teaching on Saturday, what is he doing the rest of the week? So from Monday 
from Sunday to Friday, what, what does he do? So immediately I just heard you talk this night. I just said, hey, that means Jesus was resting every other day. And that doesn't mean that he's not reading or like receiving some kind of information, but he wasn't like overexerting himself. So basically he comes out to teach like Saturdays or Sabbath days or something, but like the rest of the week he's resting or he's like, he's at a place of, peace like meditating or just communicating with his father or something but not like all the time all the time all the time so that he doesn't overexert so that was what i wanted to say absolutely absolutely um if naya everything will be bi-weekly you know everything will be bi-weekly so even the study guides will be made bi-weekly as well so Everything will be two, two weeks. But I mean, the chat is still open. And um, in fact, there's a lot more we can do with the chat. You know, I'm surprised how we don't take advantage of, you know, a lot of us here, you know, what you're studying, you can share it. Hey, this is what I'm studying. This is what I learned. Oh, I don't understand this. Does anyone have any understanding? Like, I don't see why we've not been doing that for so long. It's interesting. I'm, I've been very surprised, you know, like, ah, no one is really, you know, sharing their studies or asking about, and it's something that we can do more often. You know, so there's a lot we can do, you know. So it's, we just create a learning system on the go, you know, and we all share with ourselves and just build. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, I can imagine it's sometimes it gets a lot, you know. So yeah, so yeah, you know, it is hard, it is hard, I, it, it really is hard, you know. So, so yeah, you know, when we actually take time out to, when we actually take time out to um, rest and process and assimilate things, it makes us much eager to work, you know. When we are, that's why food is most sweet when we're hungry, it's so delicious because, wow, there's an empty space for it, you know. Because emptiness always attracts what is going to fill it. And fullness attracts what is going to empty it. You know? So it's just something that we have to be very deliberate about now. We have to be deliberate about this so that we don't, we don't burn out, you know? Because when there's too much light, we start to become blind. And I'm like, ah, you know, that's... You feel as if you've seen everything about God. <laughs> this one again. <laughs> I'm not interested, you know. You just push it aside, say, you know. You know. Yeah, it just becomes too much of a constipation. In the beginning, it was good because we we're very hungry. It was a big hunger. And that's why we all grab, 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 grab. And that's important, you know, in the beginning. But after a while, we now have to start to regulate things, you know, and begin to slow down and process accordingly, you know, so that things can last long. If not, because if we continue at this pace, let me tell you what will happen. By April, May, many people will be tired. I'm not interested. It's not that. It's just, it's, you know, so no more sprinting. It was good. We started as a sprint. That's great. Give glory to God for everything. 
for everything that that brought. Not saying it was a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. It was a very fantastic thing. But to every season, its own clothing. In summertime, you wear your vest. You wear your light clothes. In winter, you wear the jacket. When you wear the jacket in summertime, that's when the jacket will look like it's evil. When you wear the singlet or the vest in winter, that's when it will look like it's evil. Nothing in this world is really evil. Things are only misplaced. Water is great. What if you pour it into your nose? We all know what is going to happen, you know. So we need to know the place for everything and how to pace ourselves. You know, when you said the time was look up, look at and break. When you did you cut your head? Huh? Yeah, yeah, at some point I did. Yeah, it's okay now, no problem. If you're stressed out sometimes, you need that breeze to just blow your head. Do you guys know I used to have very long hair before? I'll never show you the picture, don't worry. <laughs> Forget Bruh, it, that picture will never see light of day. <laughs> I'll just I'm ask Adrian. I'll just ask Adrian. Adrian will never provide such for you because she can't provide such for you. That kind of battle, she doesn't want to start with me because <laughs> I will deal with her. <laughs> I had hair up the way to my shoulders. It was very long, you know. It was it was very big. <laughs> oh my, you know. So yeah, time came when I cut it. And I remember the breeze that fell to my head. I said, My God, is this my scalp? Jesus. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> that breeze is something else. <laughs> you know. So yeah, there's a time for everything, you know, there's a time. There's a time to run, there's a time to slow down, there's a time to assimilate. And um, I believe by that time where we need to all really slow down. Because I know some of us here went like three, four groups. <sighs> it, was, it was good in the beginning. It was good. It was good. In the time when we entered those groups, we entered because we were looking for something, you know. It, we were looking for something. But now we're going to have to begin to special, just like primary, just like school. Remember in primary school, we had like 15 subjects, isn't it? The way you entered high school, it came down to like 12. When you enter university, it came down to like four, true or false, you know? So in the beginning, there's always a lot. It's always overwhelming in the beginning. And that's how it's supposed to be. So much to get you moving. Because at primary school, you needed a lot of information to just ram you left, right, and center to get you. But as you started to grow, you know, ah, Susu, it is well with you. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> you know, now that we're getting much more specialized in certain things, you have to now start becoming more present here and less present there. We're not losing out. We're just taking what we need this time, you know, and it's important. So, so that they don't say that we don't read Bible in this group, but let me just use one scripture and we can talk about it a bit and then we can all go and sleep, are we? <laughs> are we ready? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh -huh. So we're going to take today's reading from um, Genesis chapter 2, um, verse, um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, actually. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. This is actually the first place 
the word Sabbath was used in the entire Bible. <laughs> Everyone is laughing. And I'll read it for you. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested, Sabbath, on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. I'm going to post it for us on the chat. Oh, thank you, Joseph. You posted you post already. So thank you guys for posting it for me in the chat. So Genesis 2 verse 2 says, And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested, Shabbat, on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Does anyone see any paradox in these two sentences? Does anyone see, any, see the paradox here? Can anyone see it? Or let's just open it. Okay, let's go. So, like we were saying, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that you're not going to find the seed form of it in the book of Genesis. Because the book of Genesis is like the seed of the Bible. And like we always talk about, a seed is so small and almost insignificant, but inside of that seed is contained the entire data of the tree. So when you're looking at the seed, you're also looking at the tree in potential, just like us. If I pick up your picture when you were two years old, you know, I can instantly recognize, oh, <laughs> King Genesis still has those ears at two. Wow, no, this, this has to be him now. Those ears cannot go anywhere. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the seed doesn't always look too different from the tree. And when we understand the tree, we can understand the seed. And when we understand the seed, we can understand the tree, you know. So thank you, King Genesis, for bringing these two things right here. It was written, and he ended his work on the seventh day, and he rested from his work. This word ended doesn't actually communicate what that verse actually says. In Hebrew, it, actually, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't exactly say ended, it says completed. He completed his work on the seventh day. And on that same seventh day, he rested from his work. What does that tell us about that rest that God did? Who can give me any idea? Just feel free. Don't be afraid. Say what comes to your heart. Who wants to give it a shot? Well, I feel like on... Okay, someone else is talking. Okay. No, well, okay, um, I also guys Taiwo. Okay, so I for me, I just wanted to yeah, I just wanted to say that he, he was resting from that particular work that he did so that he can continue the yeah, next I, one. I said, um, so because he completed that, so he had to rest because he had completed that. So that would allow him to start another one. So that's what I just that's what came to my mind. Yes, you can say that. I mean, when you look at that scripture, you know, because normally they say on the seventh day he rested right? But on that same seventh day, it was written that he completed his work. So even though they talk about six days of creation, we see that there was actually a creation as well on the seventh day that was within that rest that he was doing. Does that make sense? So 
So even in the rest in itself, there was a kind of creation that was happening. There was a work that was also going on. And this mystery is very much unveiled through the life of Jesus Christ. That's why it was very hard for them to understand him. For those of us, for those of us who are familiar, you know, the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday. Well, symbolized by Saturday, you know, because the Sabbath is not a physical thing, but a spiritual reality, you know, but it's symbolized by Saturday. And those that are of the Jewish culture on the Sabbath day, they don't do any work. They don't carry things. They just, you know, rest. They don't do anything. And it's even written in the law that if someone does work or this, you can stone them to death and things like that, you know. But it so happened that on the day that the entire Jewish race was supposed to rest and not do anything, it was always the time when Jesus was busiest. Did we notice? That was when he would go and heal leper. That was when he would heal blind. That's when he would bring. Did we notice that in the Bible? For those of us who have read our Bible, have you seen it? Huh? Broke up a bit. Your line wasn't clear. Yeah. Oh, my line wasn't clear. Oh, what, what did you hear? Yeah. Is it, is it okay now? The question. We didn't hear the question. The seventh day of the week is a time when no one does anything. They don't carry any work. They don't, everyone just rests, literally, physically. And it was against the law to do work on the day of rest. So much so that you can be stoned to death if you are caught working on the day of rest. Now, that's what the law said. But it's one thing to know what the law said is another thing to know what the law meant. Jesus Christ with his life came to show us what the law meant. That's why he said, um, do you think I came to abolish the law? I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And not a word, jot, or tittle of the prophets will fall to the ground without manifesting. That's what Jesus Christ said. So he didn't come to break the law. He came to actually show us what the fulfillment of the law looks like. That's to let us know that all the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, how they were interpreting the law was from a place of misunderstanding. And I keep using the story a lot. When they wanted to stone Mary Magdalene, because it was written in the law, if a woman is caught in adultery, let her be stoned to death. They did not understand that that law of Moses was there to convict them. Because you who are picking up that stone to kill this woman, are you that clean? Are you that holy? So the whole point of Moses writing that law is a setup so that the person who picks up the stone to kill that woman will realize in himself, oh, wow, am I even holy enough to give this kind of judgment to this person? And that's why Jesus Christ helped them see what they did not see all along. And that's why he said, let the one that is without sin be the first to cast a stone. And it's written, Everyone disappeared from the youngest to the oldest. He came to interpret the law, to show them what the law was actually trying to tell them. For someone who has a clean heart, when you read that thing Moses said, you will be so reprimanded in your heart that even to pick up a stick against someone, you can't do it. Because who are you 
to stand up and issue judgment against this person when you know how filthy you are on the inside. Because the law was to serve as a mirror for who we are. When you see the things that they tell you, you're supposed to look in yourself and say, my God, am I even clean enough to even talk like this? But many people believe, yes, I'm the one. Uh, Just like we spoke about last week. If you are with God because you believe you have earned it, you know, you have not committed any crime, you have been loyal to the church, you didn't steal any money, you can speak a lot of English. If you believe that that is why God has chosen you, it's only a matter of time to God will allow you to see your helplessness. Just like the rich man. He said, Master, I will follow you. And he thought he was worthy of following Jesus Christ because he kept all the law and did everything. So Jesus Christ told him, okay, you're a man of the law. Okay, okay, let's see, let's see. You now, go and give away all your properties to the poor and come. When the man heard what Jesus Christ said, he was flabbergasted. He did, this was something that was beyond what he was capable of doing. And in that moment, Jesus the Christ allowed him to see his helplessness. Because in that moment, he saw, wow, I can't do this. When we realize our helplessness, it brings out a natural humility. Natural humility, you can't act it. Do you understand? You can't, have you seen, that's why you see old people, especially the ones that get sick and their body gets weak, they just become very kind. (laughs) In their young age, when they were running around flogging the children, doing this, now, after all your, your long life, someone is coming to clean your bum bum in the night. Ah, where is the pride? Ah, where, is... <laughs> where does pride want to stay? <laughs> God, fear God. <laughs> Natural humility. Do you know what I'm saying? This is what you call organic humility. This is not artificial. It just, it just comes. You can't, you can't speak it. You, because you just... You just when you realize how small you are, you know, you come to understand your, your little significance. That is when you can begin to work with God. That is, that is when you become to work with God. When you start to realize, my God, I am nothing. Because some of us really think we're something. We think, yes, I deserve to be here. Yes, I deserve to, for people to listen to me. Don't you see what I've been learning in my secret place? I deserve that. Now, by people, when one reasons like that, we struggle, struggle for anyone to listen to us. And we just find people are always trying to ridicule us everywhere we go. Whenever we open our mouth, someone is telling us we don't know anything. That is God helping us because we think we're somebody. You need to realize that you're nobody. Because it's only when you are nobody that you can become somebody. You know? And that was where the law came. And that's why Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 7. He said, how can you say the law is good? The law is not, how can you, the law is not evil. Because how will I know that you shall not covet if not, if not for the law? How will I know that there was sin in me? So man did not know that he was a slave to his covetousness until God said, Thou shalt not covet. The law was there to become a mirror 
to us. That law that God gave Moses was, 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 was a scam that God gave to people that didn't their lives. They really thought that they could fulfill it. Really? That God, God is the biggest... I understand when I use this word, I don't mean it in a derogatory way. I mean it in an ascended way. God is a joker. God is a joker, not in a, like he's not a serious person. He's, he plays a lot of games. And a lot of us don't know the game that he's playing. God cracks jokes a lot. That whole law of Moses, it was a big joke. When I say big joke, understand. I, I'm not saying it's nonsense. I'm not saying it's not significant. I'm saying that it was there. People thought that, oh, I am able to perform all this by myself, not knowing that the whole point of the law was for you to fail and in your failure, realize your own frailty. Does, does that make sense to us? Yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. God set up a whole nation to fail. Because they thought they were so great. They thought they were such wonderful people. Abraham is my ancestor. Look at all the things, the miracles. They really believed they were such, such great people. Ah, really? All right. Let's find out. God set them all up to fail. Because in that failure lies a very profound discovery. The discovery of their nothingness. Because when you think you're so great, you think, oh, you have so much control over yourself, this, this, this. And then one day, one, you know, maybe for some of us who have been, I know some of us who do, we tell ourselves, okay, God, I promise you for the next two weeks, I will not lose my temper. I will not abuse anybody. And you know, when we do first five days, we start to feel like we're so pious. Say, yeah, five days, I didn't abuse anyone. I didn't lose my, God will just send one funny person to just spoil your, your uh, streak. <laughs> and then you become angry, say, God. I'm many of us on this table? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> you know? Yes, for me, you can say the law was like a shatan to them because it was an opposition. It was just, it, it, it just, it was just there to let you see yourself. Wow, we're going to touch many tables, but there's no time for that anymore. Because the work of Satan the work of Satan, you know, is to, have you seen when someone is cleaning a house? Have you watched movies when maybe a maid has finished cleaning a house and then the madame will now come, she now use her finger to rub one particular place and then she look at it and see, ah, you missed this spot. That's Satan. If I will put it in a nutshell, that's Satan. You know, he is there to accuse you, accuse you, accuse you until there is nothing left to be accused. And then we say, Father God, I've finished my work with this child. This one can go forward. That's Satan. Do you understand? Although we'll plan it, it costs for him very well. You know, we really go deep into it. It's not today, but that's Satan's work. You know, he's there to accuse you, accuse you, accuse you on behalf of God. And when he sees that there is no longer any stain, he says, okay, this one is ready. That's it. Satan is the exam that. Not even Jesus Christ of Galilee could escape. That's his work. That's his work. You know, when we met in, in December, when the meeting that we had, I gave an analogy. I talked about a particular Rolex watch called the Deep Sea Diver, you know. And as for those of us who know, 
the deeper you go into a sea, the more pressure it has. So for you to have a watch that can go that deep, the watch has to be able to withstand great degrees of pressure. So that particular deep sea diver Rolex watch, before they release it into the market, they put it inside of a kind of cylinder. And in that cylinder, there's a machine that makes the watch hit up and down like 100 times in five seconds. It keeps on hitting. If the watch breaks, it's a faulty product. If it's able to withstand that testing process, then they release it to the market and sell it. Say, this is a good watch. That's it. He's there to shake you like that. Let's see. Okay, let, we'll shake you until there's nothing else to, to be shaking. Then you can say, God, I've finished my work on this guy. Do you think Satan and God, they don't, they, they, they don't know each other? What are we talking about? Study the book of Job. You see Satan's work as well. How did Satan enter the garden? Did we ask ourselves that question? How did he enter into the garden? Where did he come from? You know, Joseph, I love what you just said. Before Jesus Christ was about to depart, he said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you return back to me, give strength to your brethren. Let us break down that statement. Satan has desired to have you. How did Jesus Christ know that Satan was looking for Peter? And how were they able to have that conversation? That's one. Two, that he may sift you like wheat. The sifting of wheat process is the separating of the useful from the useless. How come Satan is in charge of that work? Three, he said, I have prayed that your faith will not fail. What does Satan's work have to do with the testing of a person's faith? Four, when you have returned back to me, strengthen your brethren. Return back to me. So you mean Jesus Christ was going to send him to that Satan? Wow. And you mean that that sending him was going to bring strength to Peter? Interesting. As in Spanish, you say, interesante. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having too much fun. <laughs> Go ahead, just go off. <laughs> I like Joseph. I like what you said. God answers Satan's prayer. It's true. He says Satan desired to have you. That's a prayer. A prayer is a request. So Satan said, God, I pray thee, grant your son Peter unto me. Let me deal with this boy. And Joseph said, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can have him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Fear God. <laughs> oh. You know, and when you study the book of Acts, you see the materialization of that handing over to Satan. That All those things that were happening to them, that was the handing over to Satan, if you don't know. All the flogging, the throwing in prison, and if you check it, Exactly what Jesus Christ said. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't, their, their faith didn't fail. They became even stronger in that process of sifting. It's there in the book of Acts. That whole, that word Jesus Christ said, you see the materialization, materialization of it in the book of Acts. And literally, it was a sifting process because from every cane that they were receiving, <laughs> sex was entering their body. No sense was living. 
a real sifting process. Every whip that hits them like this, nonsense is going, sense is entering. Sifting process. And it was said that God used to achieve this work. <laughs> you know? So that idea that uh, Satan, God is fighting, I can't Satan be fighting God. What kind of God are we serving now that Satan and God are in competition? Are we not even ashamed to be saying all these things? How can God and Satan be having issues? Think about it now. Almighty God, he, Satan is stressing his life. Come on. <laughs> God is too big for that. Please, please, please. Anyway, we'll really go into that later on when we enter into the Garden of, of Eden story, you know. So, this was the purpose of the law, you know. The law was there to allow them to see their own frailties. Because if you don't see what is wrong with you, you can never be able to correct what is wrong with you. So the beginning of any kind of healing or rehabilitation is the discovery of that which is wrong in the first place. And that's why God brought the law. Because people thought they were too good. They thought they were too righteous. They were too holy. They were too chosen. All right. Let me show you just how nobody you are. And that's why the law came. You know. But many people didn't get the point. And they fell for God's joke. They thought the law came for them to achieve it in their strength. Not knowing that the whole point of the law was them to fail and realize their need for God. The moment you realize the need for God, like the children of Israel in Egypt crying unto God, a Moses cannot come. Because for there to be a healer, they have to first be people who recognize that they're sick. That is why Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could not perform any miracle in Galilee. Why? They didn't know they were sick. <laughs> they thought they were fine. They really thought they were okay. And that's why the healer could not do anything there. You know, I'm right now reminded of the church in uh, one of the seven churches that Jesus Christ was talking to them. I think um, Revelation 73. He said, you, you think that you're already rich and you are in need of nothing not knowing that you are sick, wretched, and poor, I counsel of thee to buy of me fine raiment and gold that has been tried in the fire so that you can become rich. That church represented the kind of people who think they have arrived, that they believe that they have it. And those are the ones that are really sick. And when one is not aware of their sickness, if a savior comes, you'll be insulted now, Abby. If someone says, hey, can I give you a deodorant? Is it, are you, me? What do you mean? I, I, am I smelly? You know? And that's what happens to a lot of people. If we don't know our sickness, if someone comes with help, we'll feel insulted. True or false? Let's be honest. True or false? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Look at your face. <laughs> Even when you need the help stuff, it's hard for you to accept it. It's hard. You know? You know? You know, in your pocket, there is no money. But for the fact that if someone comes and says, hey, take this money for transport, for the fact that you feel, ah, someone knows that I'm so broke, I don't have transport, you're more angry at that fact than your need for that transport money that you can even drink. Me, how can you offer me 1,000? Do I look like a 1,000 at first? Meanwhile, you're asking God, how can I have 750 to take this bus for? But God has provided you 1K. Pride. This is what happens. You know, this is what happens to a lot of people. And that's what happened in Galilee. People who were so proud and ignorant of their illness, 
that that ignorance made them to be blind to the Messiah, to be blind to the healer, to be blind in the te- to the teacher. He couldn't do anything because all kinds of healing and transformation is two ways. There has to be the one who is giving it and there has to be the one who is receiving it. But if you think you are not in need of it, well, what can you do? You can't do anything. You don't want, so what, 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 what can I do, you know? And it's the same with our work with God. When we are unaware of the areas that we actually need him, when he starts helping us, we will reject the help. It's true. And that's why in different seasons, what God is trying to do to help us, we don't know, we just run away, we just abandon it. Sometimes you need people to ridicule you. And in all the drama you think you have, you need people to laugh at you. God is helping you. Because that rema or whatever has made you feel like you are somebody. But you see, when you feel like you're somebody, that rema, you stop at a particular point. Because the one who has the cup that is full cannot receive more. So because you need to receive more, God is helping you by bringing people to make you remember that you're nothing. Since you can't do it by yourself, he's helping your life. But because you don't know that, because you don't know that you're in need of humility, when people come to humiliate you, you fight it. Instead of you to allow God to finish that work. Anyone that does talk to you, eh, do you know who I am? How can you talk to me like this? Well, that's how that narrative will continue. And to be as if everywhere you go, you are just a magnet for insult and disrespect. When you see someone like that, where every day they have to remind people who they are to receive respect, you know that that person, God is trying to teach them something that they, they, they just don't want to learn. I remember, I remember one TV show I watched, it's Game of Thrones. When one man, well, the boy, he was like, how can you talk to me like that? Don't you know I'm king? And his grandfather said, any king that has to say that to get his people to listen to him is no longer a king. And it's true. It's true. Because if you are someone worthy of respect, why would you have to be fighting for it all the time? Why do you need to claim it? And these are things that we only should think about. So God brought the law to help the people to see their own frailties and areas that they needed to work on. But they didn't understand it. You know, they didn't understand it. And like I said once, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. People think that Moses is telling you to go and pluck someone's eye, but that's not what he's saying. He's telling you, if you hurt your neighbor, you might as well hurt yourself because whatever you do to others, you're also doing to yourself. So therefore, Love your neighbor as yourself because your neighbor is yourself. But people didn't understand that. They thought it meant if someone removes my eye, I should go and remove another person's eye. Blindness. And that's why they couldn't interpret the law. And that's why they thought the Shabbat was about sitting down every Saturday and not doing anything with their time. Meanwhile, in that Genesis chapter 2 verse 2, it showed that even in that day of rest was when God completed his work, was when he perfected his work. They say six days of creation, but creation was seven days. On that seventh day, he was still creating. That rest itself was a kind of creation. And that's why, and that's why when Jesus Christ appeared, the day when everyone was resting and not doing anything was the day when he was doing the greatest of miracles. But before I go forward, um, 
on you, you have a question. Yeah, um, it was about that part where you said, um, like a king, um, a king who's who has to say that they're king, um, that's when kind of like, like they're not actually a king, um, and I was just like curious, um, because like. I feel so somehow asking this question, but I just have to ask because God knows that is a question. Why do you feel um, somehow? Are you somebody, Onye? Why do you feel somehow? No, Only somebody can feel no, somehow. No, let me... Can you imagine? I'm joking, I'm joking. It's because what's this thing? I know, I know. But like, I, how do I explain it? Okay, so you know how like, god when god is about to start something now mm. um or no sorry what do i mean by starting something when he's about to like speak to the people of israel or like mm. judah and so god starts saying like i am the lord i am the lord i am the lord god of like obviously i know he's declaring his name but like isn't it a lot <laughs> and i was just like wondering I don't know. Like, I didn't want to ask this question because it seemed somehow, but no, I just... It's a beautiful question because, you see, this is something to remember. If something is serious enough to mean something to you, then it's, it's, it's a lot, you know? And take it seriously. So if that question is something that's in your heart, even if, for example, even if I laugh now, I say, ha, 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 how can you ask such a question? Don't allow me to dissuade you out of your your desire to learn you know so it's a great question because that's where you are and it's fantastic so i'll say that when we look at god right we have to remember that um god does not function from the realm of man i was watching a video two weeks ago of a chiropractor do you know what a chiropractor is all those people that um they work with um they know how to adjust your spine and all those things. They crack your neck and crack your back, you know? Mm-hmm. So I watched the video and a guy came into his office. This, guy's, this guy was bent over completely. He was just, he, 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 that guy, he, he looked like he was finished. I don't, wow, I was amazed by the treatment. That guy looked like he was finished, you know? <laughs> and the chiropractor called him and said, come, come and sit down here. You know, he now started to touch his spine, touch his spine. He not told the guy, count one, two. Before he said three, he just hit him his back like this. Ah! The guy screamed. Now, from the perspective of man, the way that doctor knocked his back, won't he feel like this guy is doing bad to me? I'm asking. Yeah. Yes. But that doctor was operating from a higher dimension even though it looked from the layman's perspective that this was wickedness, it was actually a great love that was going on. And it's the same thing with God. There's a tendency sometimes to project upon God qualities and attributes that are of the flesh. And just because it looks the same, we assume that it is the same, but it's not. Because Mm -hmm. God can shout, but he hasn't lost his temper. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. anger is important there's a purpose for anger anger is emotions that have been increased to solve a situation that is just as severe God's wrath God's anger is, is passion intensified it's not the loss of temper 
When you say, I've lost my temper, it means you've lost control over yourself. And when you've lost control, you will give that child a stroke of the cane more than you should. You will shout a bit much longer than you should. You will frown your face 10 seconds much longer than you should because you have lost control over yourself. There comes a time where you must frown at them to let them know what they have done is a no-no for their sake, not yours. It's them you're worried about because this kind of character, if you go into the world like this, you're not going to succeed. So you have to say no, no, not because you've lost your temper or because they have controlled you, but that is what is required in that moment. Make sense? Hmm? Yeah. yeah. There are moments that require a shout. There are moments that don't require a shout. Wisdom allows you to know which moment is which. You begin to sin. When we say sin, the word sin is from the Hebrew word hata, which means to miss the mark. Literally, sin is doing something that is not necessary. It's not necessary. I've eaten this pounded yam and this three piece of meat. I'm full. One more ball of pounded yam is not necessary. The moment I put it in my body, I've sinned. Against who? Myself. Because I've invited into my system something that my system doesn't have the capacity to handle. If I take water and I pour it in the place where oil should go into my car, I have sinned. I've missed the mark. I've put something in a place it shouldn't be. That's what sin is. In any part of the world, doing something that is not meant to be done in that way or in that time. And it can express itself in an infinite number of ways. You know. So God looks at you and he knows in this time, hmm, this one needs a nice hug. He looks at you, hmm, this one needs a nice shout. Because I, as a human being, my kindness has an intention of manipulating people. I can also have the tendency to assume that when God is nice to me, he's trying to manipulate me. That is me projecting my humanity on divinity. And in doing so, I become blind to what that divinity actually is. So your question it was based on that. And it's, it's, it's what we normally do, you know. We project our humanity on God. If God says this, because we're used to people talking to us this way, we assume just because God sounded like that, God is just like those people. And we assume God is like this. Does that make sense to you? you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. So when God says, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. I mean, there are many reasons, you know, it's... it's is not, one can say is to help them to, because sometimes when a person is very deaf, you have to shout a bit more. And this is just me being, uh, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not speaking like this is the, the, the explanation of it. I'm just giving a basic example, for example. It could be that these people were so deaf, so he had to repeat himself multiple times for them to understand something that they should have in the first place. There's so many reasons why I cannot yet say now, you know, but it's definitely not how we as human beings would do because God is not man, you know, and God is not narcissistic. Even if we, even if we've been taught 
for the most part of our lives, that God is just looking for people who are going to kneel down and kiss his feet. This man that needs things like this. God is the one that kneels down to kiss your own feet. He did it. Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was a physical representation of God. He was kissing feet. So how then do we have the idea that God is up there waiting for people to kiss his feet? Are you guys getting my point? Do you understand? Yeah. You know? So he's the one that does the feet kissing. Because he's only the one that is clean. That can clean the one that is dirty. How can the dirty one? How can how could Peter have washed Jesus Christ's feet? Does a dirty boy come and clean a clean man? <laughs> Doesn't make sense now. I mean, think about it. How could Peter have cleaned his feet? The clean one is this dirty boy that will come and back me. God forbid. That's the reality. Abby, he's not the one that has money that helps the one that doesn't have money. So how could Peter clean his feet? How can you clean God's feet? How, what do you have? Does anyone get my point? Yes, sir. He's the one that has. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. Is the one that has that gives. Do you understand? The one that doesn't have is the one that receives. That's why the servant can only be the one that has a lot. The one who doesn't have anything can't be a servant. How can you serve when you don't have anything? So, of course, the servant is king because he's the one that has something to serve. You who are being served that think because people are serving me, I have value, are obviously living in a delusion. Because without a doubt, Africa is richer than most parts of the world. That's why we're the ones feeding them. But because the world is warped, we who, are, who have a lot of mineral resources that are keeping the world running, they look at it like it's trash. Ignorance. The servant is really king. And that's why they will do everything in their power to keep us ignorant of this fact. Because the moment Africa comes together and recognizes its, its, its worth, the world is in trouble, of course. This is something that is undeniable. They're in trouble. That's why when they notice anyone who is too eclectic and too uh, charismatic pulling people together, they have to kill him, of course, because it's going to spoil their business. They need these people to really feel like they don't have any value and this and that so that we can be plundering them. Of course, when you break an army together to 50 different parts, you can pick each part easily. But when those 50 come together to make one, that's when there's a big problem. You know, so is the servant that is really the king. You don't need Bible to tell you that. Just study the life. Do you understand? That's why all of us here, we need to start treating our servants with respect. You can't, you don't know how to cook jollof rice. You can't make that sweet chicken. Yet you're insulting the person that's cooking it for you. Does that make sense? Can you cook that food? That moment you're happy to eat. Can you cook it? Yet you're abusing the person that's cooking it, telling them that nothing can be done with their life. Can you cook that food? Huh? Do you know how to clean your house very well? You're still battling with cleaning toilets and the person that is doing it every day, can you do it? You know? We're happy to call our friends, say, come and see my garden, how neat it is. Do you know how to make that garden beautiful? The person that is making it, you're telling your child, ah, this person is an unfortunate person. Don't ever be like him. Does that reasoning, I want us to think about it. Does it make sense? It is the one that has that can give. The one who receives doesn't have. How can Peter clean Jesus Christ's leg? What do you have? Doesn't have enough to clean his leg. To be to serve, you must have. 
But it's unfortunate in the world today, all these things are upside down and they're warped and torn apart. Anyway, these are the things that God is helping us to restructure, you know. So there are a lot of narratives of God that we have believed over the years that are a result of we projecting our human nature on God. But over time, we're going to be revisiting a lot of things and it's time to learn a lot of funny ideas that we have attributed to God, you know, that men have created in order to elevate themselves. That's why you see two house boys, they are fighting. Ah, my guy is bigger than your own. Ah, they can start to fight if you abuse the guy. They're not fighting for the ogre. Just like a weak currency attaches itself to a strong currency, they attach themselves to someone who is they believe to be great so that subconsciously they tell themselves, so long as I'm with this person, me, I'm great. That's why you see Christians, once you abuse Jesus Christ, they want to kill you. They're not fighting for Jesus. They don't care about Jesus that much. It's their ego. Because if you pull down Jesus, you're pulling them down because they have used Jesus Christ to make themselves feel great. So the moment you insult him, they feel insulted. Now they must fight you for their, for their, for their pride, you know. And this is what happens in, in daily life. You know, we project ourselves on God and use him as a disguise to do all kinds of evil in the world. I say he's God, you know. And that's why people hate religion today. I don't blame them. If someone tells me I hate Christianity, I say, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, of course, because what you are describing is worth hating. It's unfortunate you call it Christianity. You know, it's not really Christianity, but yeah, what you just described, I hate it too. And that's that, that, that is something to be damned. And that's just the reality, you know? A lot of things that have been projected on God that are not really smart. Anyway, Toby, your hand is raised. Hey, um, Ashika, how are you doing today? I'm quite well, bro. Yeah. Um, no, I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed what there's something you said earlier that I really enjoyed. You said, um, um, I mean, you said you've said it a couple of times about how you, you can, it's only when you're empty that you can receive. Yeah. And um, it's only when you're not um, full of yourself that you can actually gain something. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, that's, I wanted to ask, is that, is that why, you know, when they were trying to stop, I've seen a lot of like references. I don't know. I've, I've, I've seen, I've seen quite a lot of it recently where I feel like Jesus was always, always trying to describe like to have that kind of mind is like having the mind of a child. Mm. Like, you know, children don't hold anything to mind. Like a child is not most, when a child is born, a child is not racist. For example, a white child is not racist when it's born, when they're young, they don't see color. They don't see anything. They're just, they're empty. Can I use the word empty? Yes. So they have those qualities that maybe Jesus was talking about, like, you know, for us to have so he, he said let, let let those children come to me but the kingdom of god belongs to to those such as these so i think where, where i'm trying to head to now is to try and <laughs> become a child again i guess you know because a lot of yes. things have been taught to me you know and i guess just trying to shed that shed that everything that has been i've, I've been taught taught or i've taught myself or whatever i guess yes indeed yeah a child is innocent and beautiful because they are ignorant and naive. So their innocence and beauty is untested. It's untried. It has not yet experienced the wickedness of that boyfriend who left you for a daisy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because I just talked about myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh 
my god, sorry. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I think I'm having too much fun this night. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Their innocence is untested. You know, they are, they, are, they, are, they are smiling, not because they know you are a monster. They are smiling because they believe that you can't harm them. They're ignorant. So their laughter that this is ignorant of the world. So yes, a child is beautiful. A child is, 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 is loving, but a child is clueless about life. And the other end is the old man. He's very aware. He knows the evil and darkness and wickedness of the world, but he has lost all his beauty. It just comes down to everything when we talk about the Trinity, the marriage. Life is beautiful where the opposites meet one another. The place where the beginning meets the end and the end meets the beginning is where creation happens. It's from that point we have the Breshit, you know, where the old man meets the young boy and the young boy meets the old man. That is where there is a wholeness, there is a oneness, there is a shalom. And that's why he, Jesus Christ talked about becoming a child again, because you have to have first been a child. Do you understand? He said you have to be like a child after you've been a child before. Do you get my point? So he's not glorifying children for children's sake. He's glorifying an old person who has seen the darkness of the world and is still able to be beautiful. You know. So I'm kind to you, not because I'm ignorant of your wickedness. I am kind to you despite your wickedness. And that's why Jesus Christ was on the cross looking at people who had complete malicious intent towards him. And he could still say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know. His kindness was not blind. His love wasn't blind. How can love be blind? Love must see very clearly. You must see it. You must, some of us that we scammed our parents growing up, you think they did not know that you are doing all this scam? They, they saw it. They just, this one, let's just leave that one. Let me not deal with this. I mean, am I lying? Who can confess? <laughs> what are the parents that we do not scam that are always like suspicious hey, I'm not making sense because, in this because night. they themselves they scam their own parents so that's why they're expecting you to do it <laughs> that's life <laughs> you know but um, um I, well, I just skipped I lost my train of thought <laughs> oh lord help me but um when we're talking about jesus and how he forgave the people that uh -huh, did all those uh -huh, things to him uh -huh. being like a child aha uh -huh, like a child so even on that cross he was very aware of what they were he was very aware of their cruelty their bitterness their wickedness their evil but he was so aware of their evil that he saw past it he saw into their ignorance and for that, he had compassion for them because if these people really knew who I was, they can't do this. So definitely, for them to do this, they don't know who I am. 
because I'm the peace they're all looking for. They think that killing me will bring them peace, but they don't know that they are taking peace away from themselves. Ah, these people are worthy of pity. I have to pity them because someone that can make this kind of mistake, they need to be pitied. They, they need pity. It takes a higher level of sight to be able to see things that way. It's not weakness, it's strength. It is profound strength that is very rare in the world today. You know? And Jesus had it. And this is what it means to become a child again. A child that is aware of the wickedness of the world, but has found a way to become pure once more. Happy that your face is still radiant. And it's not a radiance that is ignorant of people. It's a radiance that is conscious, that is on its guard. You bless the Lord. I hope I answered your question, Toby. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you very much. Like, You're welcome. Honestly, welcome. honestly, you know, anyway, you know, I've already told you all these things before. You're blessed, bro. <laughs> God bless you, bro. <laughs> God bless you. Because you saw your hand has been raised since. Kosis, are you there? Okay, I think uh, I think she's dropped out. Okay, so she back. Is Kosis back? Kosis, are you there? Yes, I'm back. Uh huh. Your hand was raised earlier. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to comment on um when you were talking about um not how do you put it now. as being full of yourself and being willing to empty yourself. And somebody asked a question about, you know, the parts where God was, you know, talking about himself and saying, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. So I wanted to ask and at the same time comment. So um, isn't there a point, isn't there a part of what God was doing also that you could say is related to um having a you know how would i say developing identity for example um god you know i i had this understanding that the lord um god wants us to have a sense of identity in him have our sense of identity and have our identity in him and when god was introducing himself to moses you know he was calling you know he was kind of like hailing himself so to speak. And then when Jesus also came, he called himself the light of the world. He called himself, you know, the living bread and the bread of life and all of those things, you know. So is it okay for us to, you know, when we come to, how would I put it now? When we come to, when we come to a knowledge of our identity in Christ that we can also have the boldness quote and unquote, the pride to kind of announce ourselves of who we are in Christ or who we are in God. You know, because sorry, sorry about that. I was okay. um, I'm saying this because I recently one um about a couple of days ago, um I was just med- um, meditating, or let me not say meditating, because I don't know whether that was meditating, but I was more like praying 
in my heart and for a couple of weeks now and months I've been kind of asking the Lord on how to um talk to my okay for I have a I have a young boy I have a baby and he's starting school and sometimes every day that he goes to school I'm always like okay how do I pray for him you know when he gets to the age when he can talk and and um, and starts to say words I, I want to start you know kind of like giving him things to start saying over himself you know and I've been asking the Lord kind of for what it is. And one day while I was praying, all I, what I started hearing, you know, in my spirit, I just started hearing this all of a sudden was, I am a king, but yet I am a servant. I am, I am a lion, but yet I am a lamb. I am, you know, I am, how would I put it now? I am, I'm high, but yet I'm low, kind of, that kind of thing. So th- I was kind of seeing God, you know, contrasting himself as both high and low. So I'm asking, is there a way that you can, you know, still identify yourself, but not in it with a sense of pride, but more with a sense of identity in God? Hello? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? So if you could put that question in one sentence, what would it be? Is it possible to... Hmm. Um, talk about yourself, but not with a sense of pride, but more with a sense of identity in Christ. Because mm. are you a man or a woman? <laughs> <laughs> you got the joke, eh? <laughs> I am a woman. Uh-huh. Are you proud to see that? <laughs> Yes, I am. It's it's who you are. If you know who you are, it's not a pride thing. It's only pride when you're saying something you're not, just to make yourself feel good. But he's the light of the world. He's a healer. If I'm a doctor, I say I'm a doctor, I will treat your kids. I'm not being proud. I'm just saying my reality. You know? If me get offended by you saying that, my offense is a testament of my own pride. Do you understand? Okay. Okay. Uh So he wasn't a proud man. It was, it was just what it was, you know. I'm the light of the world. <laughs> you think you can kill me? No one has authority except God gives them. He's just telling you the truth, <laughs> you know. And that's it. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Oh, that's so, so, no. I, well, yes, in part, yes. And so you, the part that you answered was you were talking about Jesus and God. But I'm asking that can we, who are, you know, sons, can we also, how will I put it now, stand on that identity and say, oh, okay, I am, I am the light, you know, how will I put it now? I am the light of the world, you know, let me put it like that. Yeah, but you must understand that you are the light of the world in development. You understand? Okay. Just like a two-year-old boy, a two-year-old girl, a two-year-old girl can tell you, I'm a woman. And she's not wrong. But at the same time, she's not right. She's a woman woman in development. In development. It's still a possibility that has not yet unfolded completely. So you are the light of the world, but there's still a lot of darkness that has to be done away with, you see. So all of us here are light. 
but that light is is covered by a lot of things. Some have started to shine, some have not yet shined. But it is okay. what we really are, you know. So, okay. so if you say I'm the light of the world, you're saying this, but you're not forgetting that there's still a lot of parts that you need to work on. When you okay. say I'm the light of the world, but you are see the problem is ignorance. If you say I'm the light of the world, but that light of the world you are saying is ignorant of the parts of yourself that brings darkness, then you are in delusion. You okay. When Jesus Christ said, I'm the light of the world, there was no delusion there. He knew exactly what it was. He okay. knew himself. So that's what it is. So in every, anything that you declare of yourself, it has to be from a place of real awareness. Okay. Ignorance is the problem. It's from ignorance okay. that pride comes in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. God bless you. Okay, Miriam. Hi, um, how are you? I was I'm surprised okay. the first time I hear your voice today, but you give thanks. New things are happening. New <laughs> things are going. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm uh, well. Um, first of all, you asked an amazing question, and L, you gave a wonderful answer. It was how fast you answered with a question for me. Like you just went, <laughs> "Are you?" A- <laughs> 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 oh my god, that was wonderful. And yeah, so as I was listening to Costa, um, this these lessons that the Lord had put me through like a couple years back, started to come back. Where um, my teachers, used, there was something my teachers used to say back then that always used to resonate with me. They would say, when the Lord, when when the the bearers of a title that truly understand the weight of the title are careful how they use it. So I used to like listen to them. Though it took a long time for I understood to a certain extent what they were talking about. So yes, um, what what Costa was saying was absolutely true. That there are times that the Lord will give you a name, reveal to you an aspect of yourself, a nature, or give you something that, like, um, El Shakar has mentioned, like a true name to who you are. That is the closest um, um definition of the essence of your being. But you must now know when to use it, why you use it, and what it is there for. Because there are times that the Lord is trying to reveal to you or build in you a capacity, an understanding of who you are and what you can do, what you carry. But let's say the Lord is speaking to you and telling you that you are the light. You're you're not sitting and you don't then sit down and understand exactly what the light is, the extent of the light that you have become and what light exactly you are and what capacity you are to shine. And you just face a situation that seems like darkness or or you face a person that seems like darkness is in them and you start to, to proclaim that you are the light with no understanding of what the light exactly is. You... That, that situation will do more harm for you than good. Um, El Shakar, please correct me if I'm saying anything off point. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, you're pretty much saying the same thing in, in another way. Um, yes, one has to be... So, for example, if God tells you, oh, you're beautiful, you're light, you're this, that's true, but that that is true does not negate the other parts of yourself that are also true. You know, they don't yes. contradict. And one has to keep both in mind. 
And you're saying that, yes, yes, you are light, but there are times when there's a particular situation in front of you that the darkness that is there is greater than the light that has come out of you. So if yes. you enter there, your light will go. So yes, beyond the, just the knowledge of, of what the name is or what the nature is or just the not like a base knowledge, the Lord just telling you, you must now go deeper and find understanding so that when you stand in that name, you know what it is, you understand what it is. Doesn't doesn't your affirmation doesn't come from a place of pride? Like if I walk into if I'm the CEO of a company and I walk into it one day, maybe I was on leave and they changed a couple employees, and maybe someone there doesn't know me and they make a mistake. Obviously, I'm going to be like, oh. I am your boss. But I'm not saying it because I want them to know, oh, or God on land. I'm saying it because I need them to understand that this is who I am and this is what our relationship must be. So understanding is, is something that, um, by the grace of God, the Lord has been teaching me to really search out. And I felt, I felt the need to mention that. Thank you. I'm going to go now. Peace. Thank you, Miriam. God bless you. God bless you. Ify. Okay, so we'll have Ify, then I'll just um, um, round up at the other side. So yeah, Ify, go ahead, please. Thank you. Um, I'm always, Elshaka, thank you, you know, for um, always explaining things to us. And, you know, the Holy Spirit always uses you in ways. You just enter places where cobwebs stay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> dragging and dragging but it's necessary because i find that quite interesting that we can literally thread what the focus of today's um, discussion was from last week you know because i was hit so hard you know on you know there was just even a way you were you were um expressing yourself you know when when <laughs> i beg may i talk i beg <laughs> free me so the way that um, you were expressing yourself, you know, when the Holy Spirit is, is, is using um, teachers, you know, you just know when a moment, you know, the Lord is zoning in on something important. Um, and, and, and one of my big lessons from, from last Friday was really, you know, the, 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 the power of introspecting constantly you know, and it makes all the sense in the world now, you know, when we look at Christ, he was always taking time out. And maybe the time out was not always prayer, you know, to the father, you know, for, for this and for that. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't always intercession, um, but just introspect and catalog and allow the Holy Spirit, you know, x-ray, you know, x-ray, you know, x-ray your heart. Because it's, it's the little things, is in the comments, is in how you felt, how you reacted. You know, I know one area that always used to get me then was, you know, if, if a group of us do some work and I do most of the work oh. and somebody else gets the credit, like my head would just be smoking. How? You know, and, you know, the Holy Spirit was like, so just look at yourself, oh. you know. And it's in those moments you just realize if, if you don't, nip those tendencies in the bud, you know, and we are just um, soaking in all this light and it's coasting us into realms and whatever it is. Hmm. That tendency, when it appears again, 
it's going to be really ugly. You know? Yes. Um, and, and, and it was a huge lesson for me, you know, I mean, forgive me for bringing it up, that um, minister, I, I forget his name, um, that we mentioned last week, um, that pastor, Ravi, yes, I, yes, I was yes. extremely shaken by it, you know, not because of you know, the sordid or whatever it is, but it is how God can still use you in spite of you doing these things and thinking you're somebody because he needs to get to his people. You know, I find that actually yes. quite scary. So be because you're still moving in your anointing, you're still touching lives, but you're not dealing with some issues, you can really be coasting and be deceived, you know? Yes. Um, and it's such a huge lesson for me. Um, and these things really do apply to us. We don't have to be ministering or anything per se, you know, but I just find it um, um, uh, uh, quite humbling that the Lord is bringing up this issue again um, yeah. on humility, on really looking at the little things. I mean, it's not about overanalyzing, but it's just yeah. with our household, people at home, you know, I just add our sphere as we can define it now. You know, what? how is our heart functioning? How do we relate with people? How do we react? Um, yeah. You know, how do we treat people? You know, because um, I used to feel like I could control how I respond to people, but I realized mm. it was how my heart feels about that person that elicits how I actually respond to people. You know, that's how mm. powerful what we hide in our heart is, you know. So I just really wanted to emphasize that I find it so, um, will I say humbling, or it's just yeah. one of those things where the Lord is bringing up an issue again, last week and this yeah. week, you know, that don't, don't gloat, and, and um, also be cognizant of how subtle this issue of pride and feeling like you know something or you are something is. And it will help us. The Lord will help us to, to deal with it. Because better now, right, than I know everybody has no. ambition something. So better now. Better now. Absolutely. So not when you have a whole lot to lose, you will now start dealing with that issue. So thank you. God bless you. You're very welcome. God bless you too. All right. Um, all right. Finney, did you say you, have, you had a question? Yes, sir. Um, it's actually related to what uh, Lady Ify just spoke about. Oh. Actually, in the wake of what happened, their uh, brother who passed on, oh. after I read everything, I was very downcast for days. I, I oh. couldn't reconcile what I was reading with the man I thought I knew from the facade that was presented to the world. And though I tried to pray, I tried to see things differently, I couldn't. You know, despite the fact that the Holy Spirit was telling me I shouldn't focus on man, I should focus on Christ. But I just couldn't help feeling that weight on my chest. And for days I felt terrible, like it was me who did this. And it, you know, uh, spiraled into a place of feeling unworthiness. So my question is, what do you do when such a sense of unworthiness overwhelms you that you can't see beyond that unworthiness and you just feel like, look, I can't do this thing. Let me just rest. Let me just be in one bush somewhere and, you know, be running the heavenly race, hoping that when the trumpet sounds, you get to heaven, you know, because... 
I, 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 I couldn't just shake off that, that feeling of who then can be saved. You know, I, I don't know, my thoughts are all messed up in my head right now, but that, that sense of unworthiness, how does one reconcile that with the grace of God? Especially when you look at yourself, you see who you can become if given a platform for wickedness and it scares you. How do you handle that? Hmm. I mean, I'll say that first of all, your feeling of unworthiness is because you have put someone on a pedestal that they should not have been in the first place. You know, you put them in a place where I look at this man as a symbol of strength and he's a picture of, you know, someone who has reached that place and, you know, I mean, and in life, we all need this, you know, everyone needs this. And fundamentally, this is supposed to be our parents. You know, we look up to them. We need to believe that they can achieve the impossible. And that's actually what drives us to achieve the impossible. And when we start to discover, oh, my God, my dad and my mom are not as perfect as they said they were, it's very painful. You know? And that in itself is a lesson. Because the fact that we put them on that pedestal before anything is a testament of our own ignorance. And it's something we have to first acknowledge that. Because I like what you said, the man I thought he was, he thought wrong. And disappointment is always a product of someone, of the reality of someone contradicting the imagination of that person that we had. So when reality contradicts our imagination, the product is disappointment. And now we know that the problem is our imagination in the first place. When we are imagining that this person is like this, we're not seeing the reality of that person. So first and foremost, a lot of people that we have imagined, myself included, don't imagine that I am beyond this or I'm beyond that. Ask God to show you who I am, who I am. And in my own way, I can show you who I am. So that one, one is not disappointed. We project a lot of things on people, especially when we have, you know, when we have faced a lot of, disappointment in our lives when we find a person who is like a beacon of hope everything those people failed we project it on this one and we start to create expectations in our minds for that person and if that person is not careful that person will not become enslaved to all these expectations and imaginations of all these people around around him to the point that the person starts to deceive themselves that yes really they are above this meanwhile they're not and then that person now becomes blind to their own frailties. And then they don't know when Satan has entered. And this is what happens to a lot of people, you know. Become ignorant of ourselves. And because we're ignorant, we start to become careless. And in our carelessness, Satan will enter very well and he will make a big castle there. First of all, don't put people on pedestals. 
second of all, realize that whatever it is that you are today is something that you learned. If you learned it, believe that it can also be unlearned. Is it anger? You learned it. We didn't just pick it up from nowhere. It, it, it didn't just appear. We watched how our parents reacted to certain circumstances and we adopted it. We saw how they spoke, we adopted it. Pornography, we started watching it one day. Before we watched pornography, was our body calling for sex? It wasn't. Before we started getting sexually active, was our body calling for sex? It wasn't. And the moment we started it, the chemical reactions in our body changed and new desires started to come out. It started one day. And if it has a beginning, it also has an end. Is it hard? Most certainly, because we have already created a chain reaction. But whatever began one day can also end one day. Whatever we learned can also be unlearned. And we really have to believe that. And that belief would have to materialize as us doing certain things to go towards that direction that we wish to go. You know. But don't put your anchor on people. Man is fallible. Man would disappoint you because man does not even know himself. Do you understand? Of course, I'm a fool because I didn't know myself. Look at all the things I put on my calendar. Ah, you must be Superman. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Tuesday is okay. Wednesday is okay. Thursday is okay. And see what happened to me. Of course, I'm a fool. Because if I know myself, or I've known this was too much for me. But what did I do? I went ahead. And now, all that that happened, God brought me to see my own self. I said, ah, I've learned. Now I know to a degree my capacity. Now I cannot plan accordingly to what I am. Instead of deceiving myself of what I'm not, and then falling into disappointing myself, disappointing people, and all these kinds of things. You know, don't put your anchor on people. People don't even know themselves. Talk to us of you knowing them. You know, don't put your anchor on people. Man is fallible. Man is very fallible. Put your anchor on God. That perfect being that exists inside of you is a part of your own self. And that is a reality that can become of you as well. And you have to look to that. Of course, God is to bring people around you as a hope, you know, but don't put all your eggs in that basket. Stay there for some time, but don't anchor yourself on people to the point where if that person falls, you also fall. There's this scripture that said, when they strike the head of the shepherd, the sheep scatter. But that only happens when that shepherd doesn't have around himself shepherds as well. And if you look at it, when they struck Jesus Christ, all the disciples scattered. But what happened? Because he was raising shepherds, they scattered, but after a while, they came back. Because he wasn't just raising people who just eat, eat, and stay. He was also raising people who know how to feed. You know. So you can't allow yourself, peg yourself too much on individuals. Man is always going to fail. And above all, I said, remember, everything you are now is learned. And if it was learned, it can't be unlearned. And you have to believe it and work with God based on that understanding, you know. 
I hope that gives some help, Finney. Yes, sir, it did. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It did. You're welcome. So, yes, you know, I'm still here battling my mind. I said, ah, we didn't finish this theology that I wanted to do, but I guess God doesn't want us to go too much in theology. <laughs> you know, because when they talk about Sabbath, and I really wanted to break down this and that, but I guess that's not where God's going. So I'm not going to fight it. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm like, ah, we've not finished this uh, trajectory, but man is very foolish, you know. Let me stop wasting my strength with God as if I know anything. <laughs> uh, you know. So all this is still talking about rest, you know. Because on the seventh day creation happens. The word Shabbat means to stop. Because there's so much motion going around, so much business, so many things being done. To stop in the midst of all the activity going on enables us to see what God is really doing, to see where he's really going, where he's pointing us to right now. This is Shabbat. And in Shabbat, you can even be running 100 miles per hour because Shabbat is not about, like I wrote, it's not just about what we're stopping, but what we're also starting. Because when you stop, you see, just like Paul, Paul was on his way to Damascus. And in that place, Shabbat happened. God stopped him. And when God stopped him, he saw something that was beyond. And that made him go in a different direction. He thought the lights. Understand, when Paul was killing the Christians, he believed he was doing the right thing. You know, he believed this was the way, you know. He believed, yeah, 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 this is how it's supposed to be. Like, and he did this in good, in, in good um, intentions. But good intentions are not everything, you know. Like I always say, the road to hell is paved with, well, it's not me, it's a, it's a quote I heard. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, you know. So when we talk about Shabbat, start slowing down. Because in our running too much, busy, 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 we can be so busy that we become too busy for God. We don't see what he's saying. We don't see what he's doing. And that's why people could walk past sick people in the synagogue every blessed day and not do anything about it. I want us to understand something. When we talk about Jesus Christ healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, um, healing leprosy, yeah, physically, this talks about healing the person physically, but I want us to understand that when we talk about the healing of the Christ, it's not an external thing, it's an internal thing. So when it said someone was lame and it made them to walk, it's someone who was lame to walk the path of the light. And Christ came to give feet to them. When he said a person is blind, and with his saliva, he puts sight in them, it talks about him opening the eyes that enables them to perceive God. Same thing with those who are deaf. You know, because when a person is leprous, it symbolizes as someone whose life is just <sighs> distant from God. So distant that all around that person is sickness. And it's the Christ that comes to do that healing. And of course, he was doing it on the Sabbath day. Because when we study our Bible, we see that the seventh day is always associated with some kind of freedom. For example, we, the Jews have seven feasts in a year, you know, and 
in the book of Exodus, Moses wrote that after every six years, on the seventh year, if you have a slave, you, you should set him free, you know. Also, they have seven times seven years, which is the 49th year. After the 49th year, you have the 50th year, which they call the year of Jubilee. In that time as well, freedom must happen to people. Because in that day of the number seven, in the day of rest, is when God liberates a person from that ignorance of his presence. You know, the very things that make you unable to see him, he begins to remove them from your life. This is what, on a, on a very basic sense, like I said, God doesn't want us to go too much into theology today, you know, and I, I don't want to force it because I'll start to say nonsense. <laughs> I can already feel it in my mouth. Nonsense is coming out, so I don't go too much there. You know, the Holy Spirit is not moving there, so I'm not, uh, I won't push it. <laughs> because my thoughts, if you catch me, I don't, I don't uh, arrange them. That's why I don't plan anything. I don't make notes. It's the Holy Spirit that arranges my thoughts for me. As I'm talking, he's the one supplying images. As he brings images to me, I talk. That's how I can answer questions. If you ask a question, I receive the image of the answer and I laugh, then I respond. So it's not Is as that I'm why getting... you always look like you're looking at a scroll, like to that left side and busy to that right side. Well, well, yes. <laughs> I yes, was going because... to joke about that this evening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you know, it's, it's very it's very uncanny. Even when you were answering my question, you even touched areas that I didn't exactly mention. I just knew I said that. Baba, 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 see my life in a scroll. <laughs> God has opened your file in front of you. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, it's a discipline one just has to see. It's why you think you are somebody that when God is telling you, go here, you say, ah, but God, I made this plan now. This thing sounds so nice. Look, because you think you are somebody. You know, and yeah, so when I see that God is not doing the, if I try and force it, I'll just have to talk nonsense. It's to you. It might sound like it's Rema on the outside, but you see, because there was no life behind it, it would only tintillate your senses, but in your heart, there'll be no transformation. And that's how you know a place that the life is. That's why so many people, you find them, I've met people like that, intellectually sound when you hear them very eloquent. But when you see the people that are surrounded by such a person, all of them can speak as eloquent and they are very proud of their eloquence, but there's no life, there's no character. You know. So eloquence doesn't mean anything, you know. It, it, it doesn't mean anything. And if you, if you hear me, you know that I'm someone who has read to a degree, so I know how to speak English. So even me now, I'm making analogy with Pandediam. I want you to know I didn't get here overnight. Once upon a time, I, I, I was too proud to even use an analogy like that. I must speak big English so you can say, oh my God, this guy is uh, an erudite. Oh, this is foolishness. Ah, it's foolishness. It doesn't help. Because you sound very nice, people clap for you, say, oh my God, wow, you can speak so well. But that is all that happens. No one is motivated to change. No one, is, no one feels the need to do better in their house. No one feels remorse when they are rude to their Uber driver. That's when you know you've not done anything. Because if you've really spoken life, when someone is going about their daily business, they will hear your voice in their head, telling them, uh-uh, did you not see what you... 
who can testify that that's happened to them? That in it's the way place. I see your own voice in my head, but I'm not going to say anything this night. Good night. This... They say you say your own. <laughs> <laughs> but who can testify that in times of you doing funny, funny things, you remember something that you heard in this video? Who can yes. testify that? Um, like, you don't even understand. <laughs> I think it was one of the very first conversations that we had. And I remember you said wickedness is described as a person who takes and takes and takes. And do you know, that week, I just randomly got up to clean my parents' room. Because like every day, I come and lie down in this room. Every day, I come and sleep in this room. But like, I don't clean it. Do you understand? I'm just like, ah, ah, really and truly, all I do is just mess this room up. I was just like, I'm just going to tidy their room. And it just spread into every other area. I'll go to work. Normally, I'd have left my wrapper on the, the, the ugly nature. I went back. I was like, no, let me tell Because the person, I met it clean. Let me not leave it. Leave my dirty uh, food nylon and leave it there. So the next person can miss it clean as well. Do you get what I mean? Those tiny, tiny things like that. Yes. It makes a world of difference. You know? And for me, those are the kind of testimonies that I live to hear. You know, great if one had a bit of a financial challenge and things got easier, great. You know, that's a great thing. But greater is when your heart has started to transform. These are the things that gives me joy. Because I know this, this for me, that is when I say, yes, God has really been working. That's, these are the real stuff, you know. So if one is so fixed on, okay, let's break things and, yeah, they, they could clap for you, teacher, teacher, but at the end of the day, People are not changing, you know, and that's why one just has to go with the Holy Spirit, you know. So based on the move, I already know that this meeting has already finished. You know, so let me not deceive myself. You know, the message for today Wait, has already come. I'm, I'm so sorry, but there's something else that I noticed today that is like in line with everything that you're saying. So hmm. like yesterday, I was just like in a bad mood and I came home and I was, yeah, and there was a visitor and I was already irritated. So I kind of I kind of had an attitude, right? Hmm. And I was just like, you know what? That's just me. I'm selfish and I'm not very hospitable. And I was like, I don't plan on changing because I'm just, I feel like stress. Then that evening I was doing worship and I was like really into it. And as soon as I was like starting to worship and sing, God was like, you know, the worship would, that would mean more to me is the one that, um, the worship that would mean more to me is if you change your character, not this one that you're using to sing. Yeah. I was just like, ah, oh! You know, I couldn't continue singing again. I was like, oh. How can you sing? Your voice is gone. <laughs> I said, oh. And there and then, I literally had an image of, you know that Bible verse, um, the one who sits in the throne of God as God. And like, I saw like my selfishness sitting down on God's throne. I said, oh. Oh, I'm Yes. That, that is it, you know. When we start to see our own selves, that we can say, ah, what I just said, what I just did. It takes the presence of light for darkness to be discovered. So for the fact that you can say, this thing in myself is dark, is a testament of the light that has risen in you. Do you understand? <laughs> that is the first testament of light. For you to be able to say, this is dark, it shows that there's light that is present. That's, the, that's how you know light has come, where you can see darkness is here. So you understand? So for you to be able to say, my God, oh, wow, woe is me. My mouth is unclean. That tells you light has come. Because all these years, how didn't you see it? Something that's been there all this while. Uh-huh. So it's something to think about. You know? 
So, like I said, you know, God has said everything He wants to say today, you know, and uh, yeah, we'll finish the meeting. <laughs> if I continue, I'll just be talking nonsense. <laughs> one last thing, I beg. One yeah? last thing. From one fashion start comments. to another, pink looks amazing on you. Amen. Thank you so much. In fact, I take that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I think oh, this is the first time we're ending the meeting before 11. The first time recently, before it wasn't this long, it's just that in recent times. So mm. Amen. Yay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, You're welcome, Ifanaya. God bless you. God bless you. Ifanaya. That last part about where true light is where you can see where the darkness really is. Oh boy, my head is going. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, yes, I would like um, four people to just to help us recap. Four people to say one thing that they learned today. Four people. So, if you could raise your hands and then we free and close. Who are the four? Okay. Finny, please go ahead. Um, I don't know if you can hear me clearly. My network has started uh, misbehaving. I can hear you. All right. So, so um, today's meeting, you began to talk about the concept of rest oh. and quite a lot of things were shared really and so I'll just speak from my notes here but some of the things that really stood out to me were the nuggets that you were given especially where you talked about the point of balance where two opposites meet where lion becomes lamb where king becomes servant where light meets darkness and there's uh, like point zero on a scale where x and y i'm sorry on a graph where x and y meet so that part about where you're as an adult now you know who is no longer a child you then begin to go back to the place of becoming a child so your innocence has been tested then you're now able to see from the eyes of a child, not naive and ignorant anymore, oh. but with knowledge still. So our, um, our love this time is from a place of knowing where you talked about Jesus, that Jesus saw beyond the wickedness of the people and saw their ignorance. And when he saw their ignorance, his compassion for them poured out, not because his love was blind, but his love could see and that really that really stood out so it's just it's just really really interesting and then there's something you said about fullness the fullness attracts that which will empty it as emptiness also attracts that which will feel it yeah. and about how we must you you most enjoy a meal when you're hungry and you talked about pacing so that we don't get to a point of spiritual constipation where we're so filled with so much information that we have so many uncompleted buildings in our city 
as opposed to having, even if it's just one tower that is completed and furnished in that city of our minds. So for me, tonight's meeting was just in one word, slow down, or in one word, stop. Yes. Yes. Thank you, sir. Amazing. God bless you. God bless you, Finn. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you. Kosi, so please go ahead. Oh, that was so detailed. Now it makes my own look like something small. Um, thank you, Finny. <laughs> um, basically, so one of the things that I I learned that stood out for me was, like he said initially, just um, just being aware of the fact that God is interested in me, you know, um, doing. It's not just about taking in, taking in, and taking in. You know, he also wants me to stop, to contemplate, and then to give out or to put out what it is that I'm taking in. At least that was how I understood it. And um, then on a personal note, I appreciated the fact that um, God really heard my prayer, and my cry mm -hmm. for being able to pace these things that are coming at me with such torrent. And um, so I'm thankful that God decided to uh, make the meetings bi-weekly and the exercises bi-weekly. Yeah. It was an answer, it was a serious answer to my prayer, so I'm really <laughs> excited about that. So thank you. Thank God. Well, God bless you, Kosi. So, actually, I'm surprised we didn't hear you since morning today. Uh, so you're here. Please go ahead. You're making it, anyways. Let me not say what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> let me mind myself. <laughs> Uh, okay yeah thanks um okay <laughs> good, good okay um okay so what what stood out for me was I think it was when you said it was how you played out and you said that God has been scamming us and I was like you know what that actually makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense I've been scammed um he's been he's been <laughs> He's been using all of us, playing chess, and we're all just following, you know. Um, it's, it's mostly because everything that you said here, this is like the culmination of maybe two weeks or three weeks worth of feeling. I've been feeling it, but I didn't understand it. Um, and, you know, at some point you, you get into it and you're like, man, this is the enemy. What do you mean? Come on, I will worship my God. Um, and you don't realize that actually it's God telling you to slow down. One yeah. thing that happened was in the middle of all of this yesterday, when we did the Thursday prayers, right? I was yeah. really tired. Um, I was really tired and I wanted to, I wanted to rest, but I thought, no, it's prayers. I'll go. Yeah. And in the middle of the prayers, I cannot explain to you what happened because yeah. I, I locked out, like I shut down everything. I said, I can't be here. I left and I was like, no, go back on. But it's, I started getting irritated from inside. Oh, <laughs> and that sea finish that you talked about, I felt it in me this morning. And I was just saying to God, what's going on? Woke up and I was trying to pray and nothing, nothing would come out. Like just nothing. I, at some point, I was like, man, what is this? But then after a while, he basically reminded me 
um it felt like it was just like babes you don't don't do anything just keep quiet today it's me just just leave it and now like after listening to all of this it makes so much sense that the balance that he wanted was amaka don't don't do any words like this is just me just sit i don't have to explain it i don't want to talk too much but he was saying you don't have to do anything just be just be and even even in your being i'm still like i'm still here it's not by your works that my presence or i it's not because of your works that i'll be around you even when you just are i'm still here um but yeah the scamming oh the, the scamming is i see it now i think it, even when you said um sorry it's all like it's scattered in my head you know i'm not like confident who's very articulate so sorry but um even when you said how even you were talking about how god uses satan um to still when you mentioned how jesus said us how jesus said that satan wanted to sift peter like wheat yeah and i was just like oh that makes sense that even when he fell from heaven in yeah fell from heaven as the bible says God didn't say, well, this one is sports, you know, I'm just going to take him out and throw him his sports beans, go in the bin, I'm done with you. Um, oh. But he was just like, no, I'll keep you around because st he still fits into the plan. Long and yes. short of it, he still fits into the plan regardless. I'm really hoping that I'm saying all of this um, correctly. But yes, that's what I have said. I mean, that's what I've learned. Sorry. That's what I've learned. Absolutely. Interesting. God bless you. That was splendid. Um, thank you so much for... Um, sharing what stood out to you thank you thank you so much um ah, yes yes um thank you all so much for a very lovely meeting this was very blessed i, I did enjoy myself um so this is the point where we pray and we close and i would like to ask who would like to pray for us you can raise your hand I'll go. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I need to say that. It just, whew, everlasting King of Glory. <laughs> Father in Jesus' name. <laughs> Father in Jesus' name. Dear Lord. We thank you. Thank you for rest. Thank you because you play the coolest game in all of history. You created us and put all of this potential in us, but you left out that rest and hid it in yourself. And it's so cool. Thank you because we have to find you to find this worth our search. It's worth everything. Thank you because you make it worth it. Thank you. Thank you for creating something so wonderful as Sabbath. Thank you for family. Thank you for love. Thank you for the ability to just stop. Thank you for death. Thank you for cycles. 
thank you for the duality of our natures. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we just say thank you. Lord, we ask that when we start to forget that we find our rest and our help in you, Become in that still small voice that makes everything better. And you remind us that we're your babies. And the most comfortable place will always be Abba's arms. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. 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 So, Miriam.